Jesus Christ originate? What prompted the church to begin teaching concerning the resurrection of Christ? There are liberal theologians that would have us to believe that it was the church who created the belief in the resurrection. It was the product of a church which wanted power and wealth and authority at any cost. They invented the myth of the resurrection and then preyed upon the ignorance of unsophisticated people. The reason these theologians postulate that the belief in the resurrection spread was due to the lack of education, ignorance, simplicity, unsophistication of the people in the New Testament era. The people did not have the knowledge of modern science and simply did not understand they were being duped when they told the mystery of the resurrection. However, people were not being duped in the resurrection of Christ through the planning and scheming of the church. It is true that in the New Testament era, certainly the people did not have the benefits of modern science that we have. No argument there. However, they did not need the benefits of modern science to have doubts concerning the resurrection. Even 2,000 years ago, people knew dead people stay dead. That is not a discovery of modern science. From the time of man, people knew dead people stay dead. There had been enough funerals. There had been enough mournings. There had been enough experiences in every single person's life that, yes, the uneducated and the simple knew dead people stay dead. So why did they believe that on this occasion a dead person became alive? What was it that brought about this belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was not the church which created the belief in the resurrection, but rather it was the resurrection itself that created the church. How do we know this? Well, got three ways here from uh, our passage in Luke chapter 24, and I invite you to turn with me there. The first thing I want you to note is that the women who first came to the tomb of Jesus were not anticipating or believing in Christ's resurrection. They expected to see the dead body of Jesus in the tomb. That disbelief had to be overcome. What I want to show you is that in each of these examples, there is not a predication towards belief, but there is a predication towards unbelief. It is not that they assumed the resurrection. They assumed that the resurrection did not occur. And they had to be convinced otherwise. Now we know that these women were not anticipating or believing in the resurrection of Christ because the express purpose of the women's coming to the tomb was to anoint the dead body of Jesus. Now in Luke chapter 23, I'm going to begin reading at verse 55. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed after and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath they rested 
according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. Mark 16, 1 makes it abundantly clear. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome brought spices that they might anoint him. They came expecting to honor the dead body of Jesus. They came to anoint it with perfume and with spices and to show deference and appreciation for the dead body of Jesus. We know that the women were not anticipating the resurrection of Christ because they were perplexed by the empty tomb. They did not immediately jump to the conclusion that Jesus had risen from the dead. Luke 24, 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed, they didn't understand. They were inquisitive. They're curious. Where's the body? Why isn't it there? Their immediate response was not, He is risen! The immediate response is, Where did that dead body go? Who took that dead body away? Why isn't that dead body here? It wasn't a belief in the resurrection. The women simply did not understand what had happened to the body of Jesus. It took the appearance of two men, who were in fact angels, to provide the women with the answer as to why the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty because he had risen. Look at Luke 24, 4. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that some man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified? And the third day rise again? We know that the women were not anticipating the resurrection of Christ because they had to be reminded concerning the teaching that Christ would be resurrected. Verse 6. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? Saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified. And the third day rise again. It was not the church that created the belief in the resurrection. But rather, it was the resurrection that created the church. How do we know this? Even the apostles were not anticipating, nor did they believe in the resurrection of Christ. How do we know that? Because the apostles rejected out of hand the women's account of the resurrection of Christ. When the apostles heard the women's story of what had occurred when they went to the tomb, they rejected it as nonsense. Look at Luke 24.10. 
Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense. As nonsense. King James translates it as idle tales. They believed it was made up. They said, well, that's ridiculous. You're telling us that that tomb was empty? And you saw some angels? And they told you that Jesus had risen from the dead? That's nonsense, said the apostles. The eleven. Of anyone that you would think would be anticipating, looking forward to, trusting in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the very apostles that said, that's nonsense. And furthermore, they refused to be, be, be persuaded otherwise. Notice verse 11. And their words appeared to them as nonsense. And then the NAS translates this, and they would not believe. NIV, but they did not believe. King James, they believed them not. I appreciate the way the NAS translates it. They would not believe because it's a defiance. We have here an argument that's taking place. The women were telling them what had happened. And the verb form of the word to tell means they were saying it repeatedly. They kept going over the story. And probably the apostles were throwing all kinds of questions at them to try to trick them, to try to discover inconsistencies, to try to get to the bottom of this, what is being said. And they kept telling them about Jesus. He's risen. The angels told us. And they kept going over it and over it. And it says the apostles, they refused to believe. They didn't accept it. It's one thing to fail to anticipate the resurrection. It's quite another to actually reject it when it's revealed. We can, on the one hand, I, I imagine, say, well, yeah, I can understand why the apostles were not anticipating the resurrection. But when they heard of it, shouldn't they have believed then? Shouldn't they have accepted the word of these women? Shouldn't these apostles who believe in angels, believe in miracles, shouldn't they have said, wow, Jesus has risen from the dead. But instead, we find they would not believe. That reaction makes them sound as modern, as skeptical, as sophisticated as understanding of anyone today. They knew dead people stayed dead. So, why did they believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It was not the church that created the belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that created the church. How do we know this? 
Well, let's look at the account of the disciples on the road to Damascus. Luke 24, I'm going to start at verse 12. Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only and away to, went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. If you look at the parallel account in the book of John, it makes it clear that Peter did not yet believe at this point. He's just marveling. He's just amazed. He's trying to put it all together. And he's having a hard time of it. He's wrestling in his, his mind about everything that he's heard and, and now what he sees. And he, he's wondering, what, what, what's going on here? Verse 13. And behold... Two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Why didn't they immediately see what the body in the tomb was the body out of the tomb. Certainly they knew what Jesus looked like. Scripture says it was because their eyes were holding that they would not recognize him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. Now why are they sad? Because they believe that Jesus is dead. Jesus is dead. They're discussing everything that took place. And they obviously were not believing in the resurrection. So, Jesus gets them started to think. Verse 19. And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people. So they acknowledge that Jesus is a prophet, one who speaks the word of God, and he did great miracles. He was mighty indeed. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who is going to redeem Israel indeed. Besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. Now, I want to stop there because there is great significance in verse 21 when they said, it is the third day since these things happened. In verse 22, it says, But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. So these two disciples on the road to Damascus are people that were present along with the apostles who heard the interchange between the apostles and these women 
about what had taken place. They said we were amazed. Verse 22, But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Now notice verse 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But they didn't see him. They didn't see him. So these two disciples on road to Emmaus had heard the exchange between the apostles and the women. They had heard the account of Peter and John, probably heard John's account, of going to the tomb. And the tomb indeed was empty, just as they had said. But the emphasis was, well, they didn't see him. They didn't see him. You see, at that point, these people on the road to Emmaus still don't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. They said, well, that's a pretty amazing story, and it's pretty complex, and, and there are all kinds of questions. How could that be? What could have happened to the body? And who would have stolen it? And all kinds of questions that are running through their mind. But they don't jump to the conclusion that he has risen from the dead because they didn't see him. Now, what is interesting in the text is that not only had Jesus taught the disciples that he was going to be crucified, he taught certain things about the crucifixion. That he would be, Luke 24, 7, some man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified. And then notice the next statement. And the third day rise again. Not only had Jesus taught them the fact of the resurrection, but just as importantly, he taught them the time frame of the resurrection. He said, I'm going to be dead. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. That's what the angels told the women. The women go and tell the men. The men run to see what had happened. And now they hear all these reports, these two that are on the road. And they're discussing these things. And they're wondering what's happened. And they say, with no understanding, in verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. They acknowledge it's the third day, but they don't acknowledge the resurrection. We find in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, before the resurrection, before Jesus died, Matthew 16, 21 says, From that time 
Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. They were grieved because they heard that Jesus was going to die. It went over their head when he said he'll be raised the third day. They didn't say, Hallelujah, you're going to die and you're going to rise again. They were grieved. He's going to die. But he said, I will rise on the third day. The angel reminds the women that he said he was going to rise on the third day. Now, to cast even more interest in this third day, when Jesus was crucified, the chief priests, who took no stock in the resurrection of Christ and did not believe his teaching whatsoever, even they, understood when Jesus said he was going to rise the third day. Matthew 27, 62. Now on the next day, which is the one after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'm going to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. These scribes, these Pharisees, these people who do not believe in Jesus, who do not believe he's the Son of God, who do not believe he's the Messiah, and who do not anticipate the resurrection, say, we remember we remember he said he was going to rise again on the third day. Pilate, you better put a guard on that tomb to be sure that the third day there's a body in that tomb. Because if there's no body in the tomb on the third day, we got a real problem. Interestingly enough, they didn't have the real problem. They went, and there was no body in the tomb. And none of the disciples affirm faith or trust or acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not one. They didn't jump to the conclusion that Jesus had risen from the dead. Even the Pharisees remembered what Jesus had said. Now, the book of John tells us that the reason they did not believe is because they did not understand the Scriptures. John 20, verse 9, For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now, that's important. They didn't understand In what sense didn't they understand it? They knew it. They had heard it repeatedly. I submit to you, they could understand the words. The words weren't hard. What word don't you understand? Day, third, resurrection? They understood. But they didn't believe it. 
They didn't believe it. They didn't, they didn't anticipate it. They, they didn't think it was going to happen. Any more than the scribes and Pharisees thought it was going to happen. So the scribes and Pharisees said, we better put a, a guard around that tomb so that nobody steals it and says that he rose from the dead. The disciples get there and say, why isn't there a body here? Who in the world would want to steal a body? Where would they move it? What would they do with it? In spite of all this, the apostles and disciples did not anticipate the resurrection. Luke 24, 24. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. Application, it was not the church that created the, the belief in the resurrection. But it was the resurrection that created the church. It was not until they saw the resurrected Christ that they believed. It was Jesus himself that created the belief in the resurrection. Notice, Jesus then rebukes them for not believing the Old Testament scriptures. Look at verse 25. And he said to them, these are the two men on the road to Emmaus, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe, and all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus then explains the scripture to them. Verse 26, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into glory? Remember that these two men said, in verse 21, But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Here was this prophet here is this one that we put our faith in. Here is this one who was sent from God, and now he's dead. And Jesus says to them, hiding his identity for the moment, Why are you so foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said? Notice verse 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into glory? Wasn't it necessary if Jesus was going to be the Redeemer of Israel, didn't that require His death and resurrection? They had said they had hoped that He was going to be the Redeemer. So Jesus points to the necessity. Verse 26. Was it not necessary... For Christ to suffer these things. Wherein did the necessity lie? In the atonement for sin. In the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. In the establishment of Christ's kingdom. In the fulfillment of the hopes associated with His being the Messiah. You see, it is foolish to think that the church created the belief in the resurrection because none of the Bible makes sense without it. including the Old Testament. On the Day of Atonement, they kept one goat alive and killed the other goat to symbolize death and resurrection. And Jesus opens the Bible and teaches them how it was absolutely necessary for Jesus to die and to rise 
again. The belief in the resurrection is older than the church. It's older than the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Remember that the real difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that the Pharisees believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees did not. Jesus said, don't you understand? This was all necessary. So then Jesus explained the Old Testament Scriptures to them, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and the Scriptures. I'm going to spare you of that this morning. I'm not going to walk you through the whole Old Testament and all the passages that it speaks of Jesus. But they are many. However, they did not believe until Jesus opened their eyes. Verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go farther. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about, when he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. It's not even after he expounded the necessity. But notice what they said, verse 32. And they said one to another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the Scriptures to us? Weren't we feeling convicted? Weren't we being moved? Weren't we being inspired? And now, they see Jesus. And of course, they believe. It was not the church that created the belief in the resurrection. It was the fact of the resurrection that created the church. It was the risen Christ continuing his ministry to the disciples. Look at verse 33. And they arose, that is, these two, that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord really has risen. And has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. Jesus appears. And then they believe. And then they believe. But notice, verse 37, But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. These are the apostles. These are the ones who are repeatedly being told by people, Jesus is alive, and when they see Him, they're shaking in their boots. They think they've seen a ghost. Notice the next verse. Verse 38. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? 
They thought they had seen a ghost. Jesus said, ghosts don't have flesh and bones like I have. It's the body in the tomb that's out of the tomb. The physical, real body of Jesus. And most of us know the account, but fail to recognize what we've just gone over. Because Thomas is not there. And the disciples tell Thomas that he has risen from the dead. And they had seen him. And they had seen the nail prints. They had seen his body. He's risen. John chapter 20. Thomas says, Unless I put my fingers in the nail prints of his hands and his side, I won't believe. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I see it for myself. And I'm not going to believe it when I see it. I'm going to have to touch it before I'm going to believe this. In John chapter 20, Jesus appears to Thomas. And he says to Thomas, stretch forth your hands. Touch my hands. Touch my side. And Thomas bows before him and says, My Lord and my God. He knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. It wasn't the accounts that convinced the New Testament people that Jesus had risen from the dead. It was Jesus himself. It was the resurrection. Jesus. Jesus convinced them that he was risen from the dead. They saw Jesus. The church didn't create the belief in the resurrection. It was the resurrected Christ that created belief in the resurrection. So, conclusion and application. In an odd sort of way, the doubts of the disciples concerning the resurrection of Jesus provide credence to the belief in Christ's resurrection. A lot of people have noted the changes that take place in the lives of the apostles, which you can't really explain apart from their belief in the resurrection. Why would all of a sudden these people that are frightened to associate with Jesus before his death now want to associate with him after his death? Why do they begin preaching a gospel of the resurrection when they know that most people are not going to believe that? Why are they willingly going to suffer and die? For this faith. It isn't that they're out to get power and wealth. There was no power and wealth to be gotten in the New Testament era from preaching the gospel. What you got from preaching the resurrection was death. That's what you got. There was no benefit to them personally. They were going to die. It's ludicrous to say that this was a product of the, of the church and the church created the belief. No, it's the resurrection that created the belief. Well, I think there's another lesson to be learned here. And that is that we should not minimize the difficulty that is associated with believing in the resurrection. It makes no sense. It's not a part of our experience. We all know better. Dead people stay 
said. I ask you a question. Do you really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning? Do you, do you really believe that a dead person became alive? Do you really believe that the body in the tomb is the body out of the tomb? Do you really believe that? I hope you do. I do. But why do I? And why do you? I would hope it's not because I am totally unsophisticated, stupid, unaware of modern science, and don't know the difficulties of a dead body staying dead. I know dead bodies stay dead. I also know that God is all-powerful. God can do all things. But it's also not my wisdom. It's not because I'm smarter than the guy who doesn't believe in the resurrection. It's not because when I read the Bible, you know, I, I just, man, all this comes together for me so quickly, so easily. And it just all makes sense. And, and uh, you know, I read it, I hear it, and, you know. It's not because I'm more stupid. And it's not because I'm smarter. It's because, the Bible says, faith is a gift. And you know where it comes from? The resurrected Christ. He continues to minister today. Jesus was the one who persuaded the disciples they had risen from the dead. Women and men and evidence couldn't do it. It took an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And I say to you this morning, it's not going to be the testimony of 80 people who tell you that they are born again that's going to convince you that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. It's not going to be because of all the evidence that's presented. And yes, there are evidences, just as there were for the disciples. But that's not going to be the key factor that's going to cause people to have faith in Jesus Christ. The only thing that is going to cause you to believe in Jesus Christ is His ministry in your own life. An impartation of the Spirit that He said that He would send. He said, if I go to the Father, if I ascend, if I rise, I will send to you the Holy Spirit who will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the living Christ that has done a work in your heart and mind if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why you're saved today. Even as He worked in the lives of the apostles. And so I, I, I say to you another oddity in life. Because I remember... You know, on my own spiritual pilgrimage, I said to Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was five years old. Wanted to be a preacher since I was ten. Read my Bible, understood things. I was always 
fascinated with anything that would try to demonstrate the reality of the resurrection. I, I always love proofs, evidences. You know, Josh McDowell's evidence of man's a verdict and all these kind of things. I loved apologetics. And it was one of the reasons I went to Bible college. Because I wanted to learn all the proofs about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was one of the reasons I went to seminary. Because I want to learn more. I I wanted to learn all these things that I could teach other people to prove to them that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And I say to you, there are evidences. There are reasons to believe it. But without the Spirit of God working, they are as meaningless as the evidences were for the apostles and the testimonies that they had heard. And I say to you in a strange kind of way, if you're here this morning and you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for me, there's no greater proof of the reality of the resurrection. Because why do you believe that? You didn't see it. You didn't get to talk to these people as eyewitnesses. You didn't see the empty tomb. You didn't see his hands. You didn't put his, your hands in his side. Why do you believe? Jesus said to Thomas, when Thomas said, My Lord and my God, he said to Thomas, Thomas, you believe because you saw. And then these words, Blessed are those who do not see, but believe. Blessed. Blessed. Not as a reward, but understand how fortunate we are. Understand how blessed we are. Understand the work of God in our hearts and our minds. Understand the continuing ministry of Jesus that if today you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not because of what the church taught you. It's because you have come to know the risen Lord in your own heart and mind. Because you heard the Gospel and you believed. And the reason you believed is because God created faith in you. He is risen. And the reason we believe it is not because the church believes it. The church believes it because it happened. And that's what created the church. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray that if there is anyone here today who does not believe in the resurrected Lord, that you would open their hearts and minds even as you had to open the hearts and minds of the disciples. Even as you had to give them understanding. Even as you had to explain to them the Scriptures. Even that you had to bring home the reality of what it meant that it was the third day and that you had said you were going to rise again on the third day. Lord, there are probably a lot of people here that understand the Gospel in the sense that they have heard it. They know it. They know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. They know that He was said to have risen again. And we gathered here together today to celebrate the resurrection. But, oh God, there may be some who are sitting here who, deep down inside, really don't believe that. Lord, open their eyes. Lord, create in us greater things. Give us greater confidence. Give us 
a greater understanding, a greater awareness. Lord, even as the disciples said, did not our hearts burn when the scriptures were opened to us? Oh, Lord, may our hearts burn as we read the word of God. May our minds soar. May we understand. May we rejoice. May we give praise. May we dedicate ourselves anew and afresh to the resurrected Christ. And may we understand that all honor and glory belongs unto him. For it is because he rose that we in fact believe. And so, Lord, thank you for rising for us. Thank you for giving us faith. Thank you for your continued ministry. And we long for the day in which the Lord Jesus will return bodily to this earth and fulfill every prophecy in the Old and New Testament and how he will reign and will be a part of this glorious kingdom forever and ever. Grant us faith, O God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.